Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike. If we haven't had a chance to meet, and the, the website that uh, um, Jeff was talking about is uh, cchmd.com slash give, cchmd.com slash give. So if, if you uh, came today and not prepared to give but want to, or if you're at home and uh, want to participate in today's offering, you can do that at cchmd.com slash give. If you are with us here in the house or even at home, you can let us know uh, where you are joining us from today at cchmd.com slash connect. Connect, our Connect page there. Also has a link to the uh, giving portal uh, right there on that front page. And uh, we'd love to know uh, where you are joining us from today. If you're joining us with us at home, if you've been at home, uh, we would love to have you join us here in the house. It's always better in the house. Uh, but we are, are thankful for technology that, that uh, connects us wherever we are at. And so if you are at home and want to come join us, we would love to have you here at the same time as we are live uh, online. Uh, you can also just text the word NEW if you're new with us uh, to 240-347. 0897. We just like want to stay connected with those who are uh, joining uh, with us in worship. Uh, today's uh, sermon uh, uh, notes can be found on the Uversion Bible app, and you can look under Church of Christ at Hagerstown. And uh, today's sermon is called "We Are Family." We are family. Yes, it's spelled correctly. Your own. That's not how it's spelled. Yes, that's how it's spelled. We'll get to that here in a little bit, and so you can uh, uh, join us. So you can follow along uh, with us there. And so uh, we are glad to have the kids with us in the house today. Uh, before we go any further, let us pause and go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for the way you love us and care for us. Father, you are our Father, and before we were even formed, you knew us by name, and you knew each day before one of them came to be. Father, knowing all the, the good we've done and all the bad that we would do, Father, you still sent your Son. You still sent your love to come down from heaven, Father, to make the way for us to be restored back to you. Father, you are the good of every, you're the, you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. Father, may we acknowledge the blessings that you have given us in our life. Father, friends and family, homes, Father, protection. Father, a country where we can worship you freely. And Father, though our world that we live in is not perfect, Father, we thank you that you, you remain as steadfast. You remain holy. That Father, you remain the same. Father, may we pursue you each day. In our pursuit of you, help others come to know the truth as well. Father, we thank you for your word. Would you be with me today as I, as I preach? Would you, would you help my words to be uh, your words? Would you help us to be clear? And uh, Father, you would challenge us from your word to live more faithfully for you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Uh, from time to time, I uh, like to uh, make up words. Uh, sometimes it's a, a completely new word, and it's like a, maybe it's a word that I just I mispronounced. Uh, I, I, I think we can all remember uh, when uh, uh, President uh, George W. Bush uh, mispronounced and called it strategery. And so now, whenever we talk uh, strategy, I always like to say, "Hey, let's think, let's think about our strategery when it comes to this." And so, uh, and, you know, but sometimes I just like to take two words that are are real words and just kind of blend them together. And uh, you, you, you kind of com combine the, the, the definitions, you kind of combine the words. And, and one of my favorites I, I, I've come up with is the word family. And family is a noun. It's a noun. It, it's, it's, it's when you combine friends and family, and there are friends who have essentially become honorary members of your biological family. Maybe you have some of those in your life. They're, they're friends that are, that are as close or maybe even closer than your own blood relatives. And even when you get, when you get together with them, it's not getting together with friends. It feels a little bit like a family reunion. 
Uh, a few weeks back, uh, some members of our family uh, surprised us on Sunday morning. Jeff and Cheryl Hawley, uh, friends of ours from, uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, they were up uh, in the Philadelphia area celebrating the birthday of one of Cheryl's aunts. Uh, she was like 9,000 years old. And so they were up here. And I, I, think, she, I think she was like 98. It was, it was crazy. Uh, some of her aunts that I've, I've met are, are, just, are, are just some of the craziest, coolest people that you would meet. And, uh, and she, it wasn't the, the couple that I had met. There was this other one. And she's, she's talking to me like I remember this aunt specifically. And it's 98. And they're like, hey, well, we're up there. We should, on our way back down to Charlotte, we should stop in and surprise Mike and Eskaya. And so I was back here, I was talking with, 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 with Joyce and Sharon, and, and all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, I recognize that face. <laughs> Hold on a second. It's like, oh my goodness, it was Jeff and Cheryl. They came in, they surprised us. And, and we, haven't, we, haven't, we haven't been able to worship with them in years, so it was good to get together and, and be here and worship together. And then afterwards, we, we uh, ate lunch together before they headed back down. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to head down to Charlotte because uh, their uh, uh, older child, uh, uh, Craig, uh, he is going to be getting married, and, and it's, a, it's a family wedding. And so we, uh, we, we need to be there and celebrate with them. There are just friends sometimes in our life that are just like family. And isn't that how it, family works in the church, right? I mean, uh, Lonnie mentioned a couple weeks ago in his communion meditation that there's this word in the, Old, in the New Testament called koinonia. It's this, 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 this togetherness word. It's, it's this word that we share things in common. And can you imagine in the, in first, in the first century, uh, how they were, how the early believers were kind of pushed out of their, 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 their regular relationship circles because of their newfound belief. And so all of a sudden, Paul writes words like bear one another, other's burdens. Uh, we, we were sharing the same pain and the same struggle, being this minority group in ancient Rome. They were family. It became family together. And this is how family that's why there's this family feel that has always helped strengthen the church. When you think about the strength of our church as a church, it's that familyness. It's that when you walk through the door, it's not just walking into a stranger's home. It's like you're walking into your family's house. And the relationships that we share and the opportunities that we have to be together, that's why we say it's always better to be here in person because we get to see each other and be together as family. And so if you would, as we continue to make our way through 1 Timothy, today we find ourselves in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we're going to look at the first 16 verses. And as Paul has been going through, he's been teaching Timothy how to build a God-honoring church, how to build a God-honoring church from the ground up. He now begins to turn his attention to the community, to the community of the church. How do we live with one another in the church? And there's always been this togetherness. It's why as you read through, especially the epistles, you read through uh, the New Testament, there is so much family language when it comes to the church. It's why we call God Father. It's why in some churches, among people who have no family relation, people will call, will call each other brother or sister. The relationships matter. And how we care for one another is a reflection to the world about what matters most. Because around here, we're family. Let's read what Paul writes for us. He says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. 
give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repairing their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions to, to, so that they may be open, so they may not be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, and helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. When their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry, and thus they begin to bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into a habit of being idle and, and going from house to house. And, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busy, busybodies, saying things that they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer, has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Paul begins to look at the community of faith as a family. And, and, and he said, Timothy, your job there in Ephesus, and he's been doing this throughout the whole life, your job there in Ephesus is to bring up the believers and help them come to maturity. And if you remember from just, the, from just last week, Paul's like, you might have some issue with this because you're young. Because you are younger than those who are around you. And, and in that culture, uh, youth speaking up to adults was, was a challenge. It was going to be difficult for Timothy to do. The, those who were physic, physically older, he might need to correct. But in that culture, age was highly respected. And so some young pup coming in, being corrective, could be very off-putting. But Timothy's other option is to let sin and, and wrong belief continue on. And so here he is. Do I let sin and, and wrong belief continue, or do I correct those who are older than me? And he couldn't let sin go on. So Paul tells Timothy, he's like, Paul, uh, Timothy, he goes, he goes, do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as you would a father. And this seems to be a good, uh, a good idea for all relationships. That if we see something that needs to be corrected in the life of someone around us, that we shouldn't do it harshly. We should come around them and we should exhort them. We should encourage them to, to maybe alter their path, to, to see things from a different point of view. See, there are times in our life where we have to speak truth to power. We, we have to correct those who are above us or ahead of us. And this can be difficult because no one wants to correct their boss, right? No one's like, man, I got to go in Monday morning and tell my boss he was wrong, right? Man, if I go in and tell my boss he's wrong, I might get fired. Man, I don't want, I don't want to lose my job because my boss is not do it. But at the same time, I can't any longer let this 
what's going wrong continue. It's going to be difficult when we have to do and we have to correct someone who's, who's been at something longer than us, who's, who's got more experience, who's, who's maybe a little bit older. But sometimes fresh eyes, sometimes new learning, sometimes new ways of doing things can be helpful, can, can be better. And Paul says, don't, don't back down from the older men, but don't be harsh. Don't be disrespectful in your correction of them. Instead, think of them as fathers and encourage them and correct them in such a way. And this, is, this may not seem quite as difficult in our culture. Because uh, in the United States and among many Western cu- cultures, many Western countries, uh, we, we have what sociologists call a low power distance. A low power distance. And, and there's, uh, th- th- there's this uh, lesser gap between uh, superiors and those who fall underneath them. So in our culture, it's not that big a deal. Maybe we go and say, hey, hey boss, I, I got the suggestion. What if we tried something like this? Subordinates uh, more, are more likely to challenge or give suggestions to their superiors because we have this low power distance. <clears throat> but in other cultures, uh, a lot of Eastern cultures, and especially first century, the first century Mediterranean world in, in Israel, they had a high power distance a high power distance and, and, and they, they saw nothing wrong with the inequality that comes from different positions. Hey, they're above me. They're, they're in this other position. And so for me to challenge them, that is difficult. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy that even with his power distance, it is his responsibility as a good minister to provide correction. Paul continues. He says, he, 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 think of younger men as brothers. Think of older women as, as mothers and as younger women as sisters. And he's like, hey, sometimes that role of the older brother is to protect, right? He's like, hey, I've been there. I, I know those sorts of things that are going to get you in trouble with mom and dad. And so follow my direction. Hey, I've already taken those. Look, learn from my experience. Hey, I, I've been through that class. I've been down that road. As an older brother, protect and teach them what is right. Maybe you can use a little bit firmer hand, but don't be overly harsh. Encourage them in your experiences to help them along in their relationship. Treat older women as moms. When uh, when, when going back home a couple different times this year, uh, meeting some of the older women, seeing some of the older women who were uh, in uh, uh, our our church growing up, and, and how freely we were called like everybody's mom, mom. It's like, it's, like, it's like, not only were you calling your own mom, mom, but it's like, there's mom number two, and, and there's mom who, and everybody's mom was mom. And everybody's mom could correct you, right? Back, back in the, you know, I, I didn't just have one mom watching out over me. I, I had a bunch of moms going, did, did you see what Mike did today? That ought not happen. Michael, we expect better from you. And when they used the full name, I, I straightened up a little bit. I, I, I do remember one time, I don't remember what I was doing. Uh, but I was on the opposite side of church from mom, and, and I, was, I was not behaving. Or, or if, it, if it wasn't me, it was my brother. And, and, and it was like during, it was like during this, some, we were singing a song. <clears throat> and I knew that either I was, messing, I, was, I was acting up or Brian was acting up. And all of a sudden, I heard mom go, <clears throat> it wasn't loud, but it was loud enough. My, my ears were attuned to that, <clears throat> that clearing of the throat. And it's like, oh, straighten up, sing the song, act right. 
Sometimes, sometimes, like, hey, sometimes the older women in the church, sometimes there's older women in the church that you need to treat as moms. Sometimes you need to correct them as well. And, and so think about how would, you, how would you talk to your mom in that situation? How would you, how would you talk to your grandmother in that situation? That's how you should, should do it respectfully and lovingly, correct them when they are wrong. And younger women, younger women, you should, you should treat them as if they were your own sister with absolute purity. We don't know if Timothy was married. I'm going to tend to guess that Timothy was not married at at this point, or if he was, his wife was not with him in Ephesus. And and so he's like, Paul's like, hey, whether he's married or not, he's like, don't don't raise any hint uh, 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 that that would be any reason for them to uh, think that you are committing adultery. Make sure that your relationships with all women, especially the younger women, that they are above reproach. So that no one could call it anything inappropriate that you might, uh, in your relationship with these other women who might one day or might now be someone else's wife. Just correct them lovingly. Correct them. Don't, don't be harsh. Watch over them. Treat them as brothers. Treat these other, as, as mothers, as sisters, as fathers. And now Paul goes on kind of this <clears throat> extended riff about widows in the church. And, and, and this was at a time when life expectancy was not so high. In fact, in, in the U.S., our life expectancy is about 77.3 years. It was considerably less in the first century. And so women might lose uh, their husbands at a young age. And expectations of those who have lost their spouse varied based on their age. Uh, widows, uh, in, uh, even in our culture, uh, but especially in the first century, they were, they were considered among the most vulnerable. In a day and age when men were the primary breadwinners, the role of the woman was to manage the children, was to manage the household. And so without financial resources coming in, how were they to take care of their family's needs? Maybe some of them had older children who could help them by farming. Maybe they had a, a plot of land and they could farm and they could raise up crops and they could provide food for their family. They could provide food that could be sold in the market. They could provide for their needs because of, uh, of the work they were able to do. Maybe some of them had a trade or a skill that they could, uh, could, could employ and they could uh, work in, you know, either have their own business or work in someone else's shop and, and earn a keep, uh, earn money for their family. But in the most dire of situations, some women would have to result to selling their children into slavery or worse, even subjecting themselves to prostitution. See, there was no social safety net in the first century to to protect those who are most vulnerable, to keep them from having to live a life of destitution. And there were beggars. We see those in the different stories of the New Testament as Jesus would go places, as others would go places. People who were in, these, in great need, they would often sit and beg on the side of the road for either money or for food or for assistance. But the only true safety nets that were available in the first century were through the temple, through the synagogue, or the church. So James, the brother of Jesus, he sees how the church handles its community, how it are to live out its faith. He writes this. He says, religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
James, the, the brother of Jesus says, hey, if, if, if we want our religion, if we want our faith to be spotless, we need to take care of those who are most vulnerable. So Paul looks at, at the situation that, that, Paul, that Timothy faces in Ephesus. And maybe there were a lot of young widows in that church. Maybe there, there, there was, you know, just like in Acts chapter 6, maybe there was a little bit of a widow crisis going on in Ephesus. And Paul says, hey, as you consider the, the, the widows that are there among you, give proper recognition to the widows who are really in need. Who are really in need. See, there are some women who maybe their husbands were quite successful. And so when they passed away, there may not have been any income, but there may have been a large amount of savings. Maybe they had some, some money that they were able to set aside. There was some money that they had to provide for their needs. Maybe some of these, like I said, some of these widows may have had children. And they said, and Paul's like, these, these children, they ought to care for their family in a way to pay back to their parents and their grandparents what God has, what they did for them when they were younger. And, and to show their faith, to put their religion into practice. I, I saw this uh, clearly in my own family. My, my dad's mom, my grandma, uh, take, took care of both her mom and my grandfather's mom in her home until both of them passed away. Now, I don't remember um, my, my grandmother's mother too much, but, uh, but I do remember the fact that I, I got to see her some uh, before she passed away. But I also remember uh, that I was able to have a longer and, and, and more connected relationship with my great-grandmother because grandma took care of Grandma Pat in her home as well. And the, 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 she saw it as her responsibility to care for her parents and, her, and, and her mother, even her mother-in-law, even after my grandfather had passed away. Losing my, my dad earlier this year, some of the health complications the Skaya's parents have had have brought this verse and these kind of thoughts to the forefront in our family. And so talking with parents and talking with siblings, how are we going to care for our family? How are we going to care for our parents as they age? Because put our faith into practice and caring for those who are around us shows how much uh, uh, it pays back to them what they have given uh, to us and to put our faith into practice. Another qualification that, that Paul puts out there is that the widow who is really in need puts her hope in God. There is a, there is a, a family faithfulness. There is a, a faithfulness of those who are, who are they make, make sure that they are, they've put their hope and their faith in God, that there's faithfulness in the life of the widow. Often when we find ourselves in desperate situations, often we find ourselves in difficult situations that drives us to our knees. It drives us to our knees in prayer to rely on the provision of our Father. And for my family, our hope in God has been our greatest help as we have negotiated the losses of this last year. But then Paul takes it even a step further. He's, like, he's starting to begin to like maybe divide the widows. Here are some of the groups that you put them in. Those who have put their faith, put their hope in God. Those who, who have family who can provide for them. Those who may have resources of their own who can but then there's also these widows who, he's like, there are some certain widows, and you, you, you can almost tell that, like, Timothy, you know who I'm talking about, right? There are these widows who seem to live their life for pleasure. They're not living for God. They're just kind of hanging around because they, 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 they 
you know, they, they, maybe they, they don't need a system. They're like, hey, well, maybe they're supposed to love people, and so maybe they'll love me too. But, but they, they, they live for pleasure because, because they, they're dead even though they live. They are spiritually dead even though they live because they're not putting their faith in God. They're not putting their hope in God. They're, 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 their hope is misplaced. So they're living, pursuing sin. See, sin and selfishness always has a way of leading us to death. Sin always destroys. Sin never builds up. And so the life that does not honor God will break. It will fall apart. And so Paul's like, differentiate. Differentiate. There are those that they, they are living there spiritually dead. Do not put them on the list. Keep them, uh, set them aside. Maybe help coach, help lead them, help draw them in to a relationship with God. But note that they are living a life of sin, a life that's not pursuing holiness for God. Then Paul tells Timothy this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh, does that hurt? I mean, you could, you can show up to church on Sunday. You can place money in the offering plate. You can participate in communion. You can sing the songs. You can amen your way through the sermon. And you can have all the exterior look of a believer. And he says, if you do not care for your family, if you do not care for those who are closest to you, your relatives, you have denied the faith. You are putting on a good show, but you have put it aside. You've cast it aside. And you are worse than an unbeliever. Here's the thing, all of our faith, all of our belief, all of our right doctrine, all of our scripture memorization, all of that means nothing if it does not lead us to a life of love. And especially for our own families, for those who are closest to us, for those who God has put under our responsibility. And Jesus, Jesus calls out the Pharisees because the Pharisees, they were really good. They're like, hey, we're going to... You know, they, 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 they pretended to, to have everything, they'd have everything in kind of in line, but they didn't necessarily live out what they said they believed. And Jesus called them and he said, he said, if you say that if anyone declares that what they might have has been used to help, that could be used to help their mother or father, but they've devoted it to God, well, they are to, they're not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. What he says is, <clears throat> Maybe uh, I have some money that could be used to help uh, my, my family. But and they come and say, hey, hey I, I need a little bit of help for this, or for that. And I'm like, well, that's money that I have devoted to God. So I can't use that for. And it sounds like it's not just, uh, it's not the tithe. It's not, it's not, it's not what uh, would be you know, part of your regular giving. But maybe you've set aside something else. You know, you know, I've been setting aside a little bit extra because I, I know the church is going through a difficult time. Or maybe we're... Raising money for a special project, or 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 I want to give just I want to give something special this year to the church that so they can do something for this or that, and, and so you you not, it's not just your your regular giving, but something else, and you're like I've set that aside. Like, well, and all of a sudden this need comes up, this need that you could meet, this need that that you've set aside money to be used for God, and someone's like, hey, I I need whatever. <clears throat> He's like, you Pharisees are like, well, I've devoted this this money, this whatever, to God. So I can't possibly give it to you because I've, de- I've devoted to God. 
And Jesus is like, honor your father and mother. Honor your relatives. Honor those who are close to you. This money you've set aside for God can be used to meet the needs around you because that is how we show our love for God by loving those God has brought around us. They misplaced their priorities. <clears throat> they misplaced their faith. What he says is one of the best ways for us to show our love for God is to love those around us, starting with our own family. Paul, as he's going through and he's kind of differentiating some of the widows here and there, he says, no widow may be put on the list unless she's over 60 years old and has been faithful to her husband. One in Sinopa, I don't know if you remember back when we were talking about the uh, qualifications of elders and of deacons, and it said that, that they ought to be uh, 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 faithful to their wives. And what that meant was they, they, they literally the word, the, the, the phrase that was put in there was one woman man. Well, here, that these widows must be faithful to their husbands, they were one men women. Hey, hey the, the, these were, were devoted. They were faithful. They were one men women. They, they, they uh, were faithful to their husbands until death do they part. And somebody go, well, throwing that word, that, that, that age 60 in there, was this some sort of first century ageism? Like, hey, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're drawing a line. But with the life expectancy not being as it was back then, oftentimes many of the widows were younger in church and society. And Paul uh, suggests, he encourages those younger widows after a period of mourning to seek to remarry to have kids, to manage their households well. And for some of us, that sounds maybe a little bit old-fashioned. It, it sounds uh, a, a, a little bit aged. It sounds a little bit old, but Paul's talking to a specific culture. And he encourages them because of two things. Two things. He says, he, he's trying to, he realizes that the church is going to have limited financial resources. And so there are certain women who, who probably could uh, 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 Continue to, to be moms and to be, uh, 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 to help in a home. And it was to help them uh, not live an idle life. Uh, by pursuing marriage and family, uh, they, they would be cared for by their new husbands. They would they'd be able to come under uh, their umbrella and, and his resources and his love and his, his provision. And, and they'd be able to live out their faith by raising up godly, faithful children in a godly home. He says, some of these women who are, who are young widows, by living on the church's dime, might lead them to idleness. It might lead them to just being busybodies, to, to talk about things that they shouldn't talk about, to, to, to gossip and to, to be destructive in their attitudes and behaviors. But those who are faithful to their husbands, those who are faithful to their families and to God, Paul supports their care through the church's resources as long as they had no other family to take care of them. Jesus once asked, what is the, uh, the greatest commandment? What is the, the greatest commandment? And so of all the 618 laws in the Old Testament, what was the most important? And Jesus answered uh, in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And Paul's been helping Timothy build a God-honoring church 
a church that loves God wholeheartedly. That's why at the very beginning, he's like, he's like build, you have to you maintain a, 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 the authority of scripture. Scripture matters. God's word matters. God's teaching matters. Hold on to the good teaching that I've given you. Paul, Paul comes like that time and time and time again. The, the authority of scripture matters. To build a God-iron church, that is where we must start. Here he reminds uh, Timothy that if they truly love God, they must also love those around them. When one considers what our parents have done for us, this should be a normal thing, a normal way for, for children to care for uh, their parents as they age. And those who refuse, Paul calls worse than unbelievers. This is a matter of witness. A matter of faith. I know some, some who may be in our audience may here or, or even at home who may watch this later. I know some may have been disowned by their families. Maybe they need to be, maybe they, they, they've had to separate from their families for their own health, for, be it physical or emotional. Uh, that there's uh, things in their family life that they must be protected from. And so how we love our families might look different based on our family situations, our family circumstances. But we ought to always seek to serve and love those closest to us however we can for the good of the gospel and for the advancement of the mission of God. So I know for me that I would not be here today if it was not the example of my mom and dad who taught me to love Jesus and to make him my Lord and Savior. And so today, we want to offer that same opportunity to you. As we consider, as we consider the words of Scripture today, have we given our hope, have we placed our hope and trust in Jesus? And if you haven't today, you can take that first step to accept him as your Lord and Savior. If that's the decision you want to make today, we want to celebrate with you. And we want you to, to let us know. You can fill out the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And there uh, on, on the list, it says, you can check a box that says become a Christian. That will uh, send us a note and we will follow up with you immediately. You can also simply text the word life to 240-347-0897. See how we love our world, how we love our family, how we love those around us speaks volumes before we even open our mouths. Your actions can ruin our witness. Our actions can spoil our words before we even utter the first one. And so may, as we leave today, may we love those around us. May we love our families in such a way that God is glorified and others may come to faith in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. This time we've gathered together in your house. Father, the praises you've been able to sing to declare that you are our, our, our father, that we are just your sons and daughters who come before you, that you uh, uh, speak truth into our life, that you help us help chase away the lies and chase away the darkness so that we can see your light. Father, I pray that we can be light as we go about in our world today. As we leave this place, as we go about our week, Father, may we take light, your light with us wherever we go. Father, I pray that as we consider these words, Father, how do we correct those who are around us? Father, so that uh, the, the, the gospel we share, the doctrine that we hold, Father, that it would be true and it would be pure, that it would be holy, that it would be right. Father, that we would do so in a loving way. 
that we care for those around us, Father, that, uh, uh, not just their spiritual needs, which is important, but also their physical needs as well. That as needs arise, Father, would you uh, help us to, to give what we can, how we can, as we can, Father, be it financial, be it time, be it uh, uh, experience, be it um, uh, some sort of uh, uh, something that we can provide for them, that we can show them your love in a practical, tangible way. You can be glorified through our words and our actions. That those around us, those who are still far from you, maybe those who are still considering walking with you, Father, maybe those who are on the fence, those who think Christianity is one way, Father, would you help us? Help us to show them the way you love and care for us. Or would you help us as we pursue you, live out our life in full view of those around us, that our actions will show your love long before we tell others of how you've loved them. Father, would you give us the words to say this week, that, that we would serve you, that, more than just serving you with actions, Father, would you help us to, to serve you through our words this week and invite others into relationship with you, to pursue you, to consider you, that we might invite them to know you as we do. Father, we thank you that you have been a good God an amazing Savior. Father, as you work to pursue us and restore us to yourself, would you use us to pursue others who are still far from you so they may be restored to you as well. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love for us that we share that love with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, we are glad that you've joined us here today, whether in the house or with us online. We hope that you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.